This is Creek Talk, brought to you by Candy Creek Apostolic Tabernacle. We talk about faith, family, and Christian living. I'm your host, Michael Flores. And this is our second week of our special broadcast here, doing Christmas stories every week. Last week, we heard brother and sister Copeland tell us some Cajun Christmas stories and uh, some interesting stories right there. So this week, we have Pastor Joshua Cathy, and we have Sister Monica Cathy telling us some Christmas stories. We're going to start off with Pastor Cathy. Christmas, there's no holiday quite like it. Christmas is a time for families to reunite, be grateful for all the gifts and things that we have. The idea of Christmas goes far beyond a fat man in a red suit, a green Christmas tree, festive decorations, sweet cookies, and twinkling lights. I love every one of those things, but they are not the backdrop of our story tonight. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse number 1 is almost the backdrop setting of our story. And it came to pass in those days, but there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all that went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife being great with child. And it was so that when they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel multitude with a heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem and see the thing which has come to pass. And the Lord made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The year was 1818, the setting Christmas Eve. His name was Father Joseph Moore spelled exactly like the water faucets, not the paint guy. But Father Joseph Moore sat at an old organ, his fingers stretched over the keys, forming the notes of a chord. He took a deep breath and pressed down, and nothing. It was silent. He lifted his fingers and tried again, but the silence echoed through the church. Father Joseph shook his head it was no use. The pipes were rusted, the bellows mildewed. The organ had been wheezing and groaning quieter for months, and Father Joseph had been hoping it would hold together until the organ builder arrived to repair it in the spring. But now, on December 23, 1818, the organ had finally given out. St. Nicholas Church would have no music for Christmas. Father Joseph sighed. 
thought to himself, maybe a brisk walk would make things better. He pulled out his overcoat and stepped out into the night. His white breath puffed before him. Moonlight sparkled off the snow-crested trees and villages of Obendorf. Father Joseph crunched through the snowy streets to the edge of a little Austrian town and climbed the path leading up the mountain. From high above his village, Father Joseph watched the river ripple past St. Nicholas Church. In the spring, when melting snow flowed down the mountains, the river swelled in its banks and the water lapped at the foundation of the church. It was this moisture from the flooding that had caused the organ to mildew and rust. Now Father Joseph looked out over the Austrian Alps. Stars shone above the still and silent night. Then he stopped. Silent night. Of course, silent night. We're all so familiar with silence. God appears to be silent in the face of our pleas, our prayers, our suffering, the suffering of others, and it appears that God is silent. Silent night. He had written a poem several years before when he had first became a priest, and he had given it that very title, Silent Night. Father Joseph scrambled down the mountain. Suddenly, he knew how to bring music to the church. The next morning, Father Joseph set out on another walk. This time, he carried his poem in hand. And this time, he knew exactly where he was going to see his friend, Franz Gruber, the organist of St. Nicholas, who lived in the next village. Franz Gruber was surprised to see the priest so far from home on Christmas Eve. Wasn't there a sermon to prepare? Weren't there songs to sing? Even more surprised was he when Father Joseph handed him the poem. That night, Father Joseph and Franz Gruber stood at the altar of St. Nicholas Church. Father Joseph held his guitar, and he could see the members of the congregation giving one another puzzled looks. They had never heard a guitar played in church before, and certainly not during midnight mass on Christmas Eve, the holiest night of the year. Father Joseph picked out a few notes on the guitar, and he and Franz Gruber began to sing. Their two voices rang out, joined by the church choir on the chorus. Franz Gruber's melody matched the simplicity and honesty of Father Joseph's words. When the last notes faded into the night, the congregation remained still for a moment, and then they all began to clap their hands. Applauds filled the church. The villagers loved the song. Father Joseph's plan to bring music to St. Nicholas Church had worked. Several months now have gone by. The organ builder arrived at the village and found the words and the music to Silent Night laying on the organ. The song enchanted him, and when he left, he took a copy of it with him. I think the idea of Silent Night resonates with every one of us because we have all been in those silent moments where it appeared that God was not there. I read about a place in Germany on a wall in a cellar in Cologne, Germany, where Jews as hidden were hidden from the Nazis. An inscription was written by an anonymous author. I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I don't feel it. And I believe in God even in the silence. That organ builder 
gave the song to two families of traveling singers who lived near his home. But traveling singers performed Silent Night in concerts all over Europe, and soon the song spread throughout the world. The composition evolved and was translated into over 300 languages with many different arrangements for various voices and ensembles. It was sang in churches, in town squares, and even on a battlefield in World War I, when during a temporary truce on Christmas Eve, soldiers sang carols from home. That night in 1914, it was sang again. Since it has been written in nearly every language in the world, Today, cathedral choirs, carolers from New York to New Zealand, sing the simple song that was first played in a mountain church in Austria on Christmas Eve over 200 years ago. One of the best things about Christmas to me is getting to spend it with children and the magic and the wonder and all of the joy that you get to have with them on Christmas morning and the days leading up to it. So when I was looking for something to talk about or a story to tell, I came across this letter that Mark Twain wrote to his daughter Susie when she was three years old and it totally captures the fun you get to have as a parent with your child. So I'm going to read Mark Twain's letter to his daughter, Susie. My dear Susie Clemens, I have received and read all the letters which you and your little sister have written me. I can read your and your baby sister's jagged and fantastic marks without any trouble at all. But I had trouble with those letters which you dictated through your mother and the nurses, for I am a foreigner and I cannot read English writing well. You will find that I made no mistakes about the things which you and the baby ordered in your own letters. I went down your chimney at midnight when you were asleep and delivered them all myself and kissed both of you two. But there were one or two small orders which I could not fill because we ran out of stock. There was a word or two in your mama's letters which I took to be a trunk full of doll's clothes. Is that it? I will call at your kitchen door about nine o'clock this morning to inquire, but I must not see anybody and I must not speak to anybody but you. When the kitchen doorbell rings, George must be blindfolded and sent to the door. You must tell George he must walk on tiptoe and not speak, otherwise he will die someday. Then you must go up to the nursery and stand on a chair or the nurse's bed and put your ear to the speaking tube that leads down to the kitchen. And when I whistle through it, you must speak in the tube and say, welcome Santa Claus. Then I will ask whether it was a trunk you ordered or not. If you say it was, I shall ask you what color you want the trunk to be. And then you must tell me every single thing in detail which you want the tru trunk to contain. Then when I say goodbye and a Merry Christmas to my little Susie Clemens, you must say goodbye, good Santa Claus. I thank you very much. 
Then you must go down into the library and make George close all the doors that open into the main hall, and everybody must keep still for a little while. I will go to the moon and get those things, and in a few minutes I will come down the chimney that belongs to the fireplace that is in the hall. If it is a trunk you want, because I couldn't get such a thing as a trunk down the nursery chimney, you know. If I should leave any snow in the hall, you must tell George to sweep it into the fireplace, for I haven't time to do such things. George must not use a broom, but a rag, else he will die some day. If my boot should leave a stain on the marble, George must not wholly stone it away. Leave it there always in memory of my visit, and whenever you look at it or show it to anybody, you must let it remind you to be a good little girl. Whenever you are naughty and someone points to that mark which your good old Santa Claus's boots made on the marble, what will you say, little sweetheart? Goodbye for a few minutes till I come down to the world and ring the kitchen doorbell. Your loving Santa Claus, whom people sometimes call the man in the moon.
Mom, you should play again. <laughs> this Intel Evo laptop is a beast. Thanks. Built not a bummer when it's a big, beautiful, bright healthcare zero. Get health insurance built around benefits you'll actually use. See if you're among the 80% of applicants who qualify for a premium of $10 or less. Bright healthcare. When you're with us, things are always looking up.